Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. It is the old time religion and uh, Lord, we, we're grateful to be able to look into your word, to your truth and Lord, for the word that was once delivered to the saints and Father, especially in this day of modernism and liberalism, uh, we thank you that uh, we are able to stand firm upon your truth and Lord, as we come to your word again today, uh, Lord, may we just not just be hearers of the word but doers also. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the, the honour uh, to be able to share your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you'd like to open to 1 John, we'll be using that as a basis as we go through our year this year. And uh, we, we've looked at chapter 1. We're up to, to chapter 2. And we're just going to look at the first two verses this afternoon. And uh, John 2, 1 and 2. Uh, I'll read those in a moment, but uh, we're, we're looking today at Christ our Advocate. We looked at Christ our Peace this morning, but uh, this afternoon we'll be looking at Christ being our Advocate. Now just to, to recap so we understand a little bit better, last time we looked at the believer's need for cleansing and we saw in chapter 1 verse 8 that uh, there was the root of sin. You know, even the most set-apart believer who lives the holiest of lives is, is, is but a poor lost sinner saved by God's grace. And the flesh, that old nature, the, the root that produces fruit is always there. And as long as we live, we're going to battle with our own flesh. But thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit is victor over the flesh. And he is the divine agent who, who, who works to give us victory. And that's why Galatians 5.16 reminds us, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, verse 9, we saw the forgiveness of sins. If we confess our sins. It's amazing. That's right, isn't it? If believers would just confess to God the sins of omission, what we should do but don't do, and the sins of commission, what we shouldn't do but do do, God will not only forgive, but he also abundantly pardons. You know, that's a what a blessing that is. When I think back on my life before I was saved, um, to, to know and understand that, I'm just so thankful that forgiveness comes as a result of true confession on the part of whoever is seeking forgiveness. Praise God that Jesus wasn't only concerned with the characteristics of sin, but also with the nature of sin. So he just didn't come to take away the fruit of sin. He came to put within us another root. And uh, we know that greater is he, that's the Holy Spirit that is in you, than he, the devil, the tempter that is in the world. And when we're born again, God puts a divine nature within us. And uh, remember, we said we're like a dual citizen. You know, it's like people hold two passports. We, we still have the old nature, the flesh there. But the divine nature in the believer is to be on the throne within the heart. And that's the struggle. We all struggle with this. We know in, in uh, Galatians 5, 9, uh, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And that, that's, it. that's our battle. And in verse 10, we saw the act of sin. Remember, we said even a child can understand this. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, you know, those people who, who boast about the fact they don't sin, well, they're, all they're saying, well, then God's a liar. That's it. Because God's words declared, all have sinned. And God's word says to us that, that on this earth, there's, there's, there's not a man that, that doeth good and sinneth not. Now, it's a sin to fall short of doing all the good and living all the godliness we possibly can. And if we say, well, we've no sin, we make God a liar. Now, there may be a difference in the degree of sin. There are some terrible, unspeakable sinners out there in this world. While there are others who are very nice, mild. They're, they're the little religious sinners who belong to churches. Amen. They're the, they're the religious sinners. Now we come to the, 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 the difference is though, is that the degree of sins is there, but the difference is the disease of sin is we all have it. The symptoms are not as visible in some as others, but we all have it. And the word of God's not in us if we're going to deny that fact. And we come to our, our two little verses this morning. Let's read them together. Um, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Notice there, the little children say, these things I write unto you. And the, he's talking about what we just looked at in, in chapter 1, verses 8, 9, and 10. And he, he writes these little things to us, that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the first thing, that Christ is our advocate. My little children. Now in the Greek, that means little born ones. Now we don't have to try and work out what this means. The Holy Spirit is speaking to who? Born again believers, children of God, not lost sinners. He's talking to us, the children of God. These things, the ones we just looked at from chapter 1, God doesn't want his little children to sin. And think about this, as parents, if parents are what they should be, they do not want their children to sin. They don't want their children to do wrong. They want them to live honest lives. They, they want them to live upright lives. They want, the, they want to keep, stop them to, from doing things that would bring shame and disgrace upon the family name. That's just natural. That's what parents want. You think about, then how much more does God desire that his children not sin? You know, there's a saying out in the world, I think I might have used it once or twice. You know, parents go to their children and they say, listen, don't do as I do, do as I say. That, that's not right. We should be doing what's right before our children and our grandchildren and, and getting them to say, so we can say to them, listen, this is how we live. And God doesn't have, have desire his children sin at all. And all that the Holy Spirit has given to us here has been that so believers, as believers, we can see the, the, the sin problem. 
but the sin problem stated, but the blessing is it's been solved. Amen? It's been solved. Believers should not sin. In fact, believers need not sin. But, it says, if any man sin, this is talking to believers, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, this isn't saying, as believers, that it's right or proper or even natural for us to sin, but that all believers are liable to sin because we still live in a body of flesh and the flesh is capable of committing any sin that's in Satan's catalogue. They're absolutely able to do that. If we are caught napping, if we are in a, a weak moment when we're not trusting fully on the Lord or we're not leaning heavily upon his arms, we are in trouble. We live in a very evil world, even though God's word tells us we're not of the world and we are subject to temptation, every one of us. Even the best of believers are liable to sin and do sin. But even though we are God's little what? Born ones, saved by grace through faith and nothing else, it does not give us a license to go out and practice sin any way we like. Even though God's grace saves us, teaches us and keeps us, the Holy Spirit instructs us, regardless of how dedicated we may be, when we fall to temptation to sin, what we're not to do, we're not to throw in the towel and just say, well, then what's the point? It's too hard. I can't get a victory. And many do that. Many do that. Failure should not lead a believer into despair. We should, at the instance of falling, cry out to God for forgiveness because he is absolutely faithful to forgive. Get it clean. Get it off the plate. Stop that moment and ask God to forgive you. We need to be praising God that Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, who died to redeem us, lives to save and keep us each and every day. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. You know, Romans 5, 6 tells us, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ for the died for the ungodly, but God commended His love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You see, we are justified by his blood now. We shall be saved from wrath day by day. In fact, moment by moment, until we reach the golden shores of glory. This is, this is the God, the Saviour we have to do with. 
You know, we were reconciled to God by the, the, the death of Christ. We'll be saved by his life. Why? Because he lives, we live. Christ is our life. We will appear with him in glory. And as our advocate, he ever lives to save us from sin day by day. Now, only God can forgive sin. And on our own merit, in our own natural state, we cannot approach the throne of God because we've sinned and come short of God's glory. But there's one who's taken care of that. Our advocate, Christ. We can depend on him for us before God. It was because he learned obedience through the suffering and became the heir of eternal salvation. Only he can plead our case. Only he can present our need to God. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He stands before God as our advocate. He pleads our cause to God and he is the only one who can present our need to God. And because of that, we can come into this throne room and, and, and boldly come before our God. Obtain the mercy and the grace to help no matter what need we have. Now 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You see, only he can be the advocate before God. Now advocate in our text, and this was very interesting, also means paraclete. Now, which is also we know is used of the Holy Spirit. But the difference between Christ as paraclete and the Holy Spirit as paraclete is, is in the role that's played. Now, the Holy Spirit's role is to the Lord's children. Christ's role is directed directly to the Father on the throne. And it's translated as lawyer or, or counselor. So what happens is Jesus stands before God for us. Only he is eligible to do that. He takes our place before God, pleading our case. And as our advocate before God the Father, the man, Christ Jesus, admits, listen carefully, because we need to get this sorted out, he admits the guilt of those he advocates for. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say amen. He admits the guilt. He doesn't try and cover it up or sweeten it up. He admits the guilt of those he advocates there. In other words, he stands before God and he admits the law of God has been broken. He makes no apology for the sin that I commit or the sins that you commit. He makes no apology for them. Either does he deny there's any sin Either does he show the individual has a right to sin, but as our advocate, 
He is our surety and while he does not excuse us, what he does do, listen carefully, is to present before God what he has done for us. On our behalf, he has taken all our filthy sin and wickedness upon himself and died for that sin. And he stands before God, not excusing our sin, but saying, look what I did for them. That's beautiful. See, through his suffering, through his death, through his shed blood and his resurrection, he is now seated at the right hand of God. And that fact is proof. And it's proof that he has pleased the Father in all things. And listen to this. He has the right and he's the only one who has the right to remind God that he, Christ Jesus, took our sin, yours and mine, and our sins as well, sin and sins, and he nailed them to the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Because of what he's done, we, that, that's the correct, we strive to live a right, a life that pleases him. A life that shows how righteous he is a God, how holy he is. That's what we desire to do. That's how we raise our families. We don't want to raise our families according to the course of this world because you know why? That's the course they'll take. Very simple. Train up a child in the way he's old, he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. And those stripes we were healed by, that, that's not physical healing, that's, that's spiritual healing. Our souls, we, we've been saved. And he's our advocate. Why? Because verse 1 tells us he is the righteous. Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the righteous. Remember what John 1, 1, 14, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here's the thing. When you're... Studying your Bibles and you're in your prayer time and you, you've gathered your family around for your family devotions and you're honouring God and God speaks to you and God may be calling on you to do something or you may be around your family saying, man, look, look what's happened. How are we going to make ends meet? Look, 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 at the, look at the things that have beset us. The Satan may be having a field day with your family. Listen carefully. What God demands, God provides. That's how it works. And what God demanded for sin, only God could provide. So God himself came down to man in a body of flesh without sin. And God was in Christ. He is the righteous one. And because he is completely righteous... Only he possesses the means of making other people righteous. Only him. 
No person can obtain righteousness. No one can earn it or purchase it. The Bible says it's imputed. That means it's the righteousness of Christ is treated as the believers through faith in his finished work. Listen, we don't get a better deal than being a born-again Christian. That's the best deal going around. Why is that true? Because 1 Corinthians 1.29 tells us why. Because no flesh should glory in his presence. It reminds us too, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made us unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and a redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him what? Glory in the Lord. We are saved, justified, because Jesus Christ is righteous. And God will receive us because of his righteousness, because it's imputed to us. You see, he's our saviour and now our advocate. And he's the only person who ever lived on this earth and did not sin. He's altogether righteous. He satisfied God in every detail. And he alone is eligible and he alone has the only right to be at the right hand of the Father and plead our case and receive forgiveness of sins for us. Makes you think, doesn't it? Where would we be without him? Honestly. And because of our ad being our advocate, because being righteous, he's the propitiation for our sins. Verse 2. And I love the rest of this. I love this verse. And not for ours only, but for the sins of what? The whole world. Now that word propitiation occurs also in, in chapter 4, verse 10. And that the only times we find the, the, the word translated this way in the New Testament, even though there are words with the same essential meaning, uh, in Hebrews 9.5 it's translated as the mercy seat, as well as Luke 18.13, remember the publican prayed, be merciful to me a sinner. Hebrews 2.17, it means reconciliation. Now, the proper meaning of this word is to turn away anger or to make reconciliation between God and man. It renders someone favorable. And here it's signifying that through Christ himself, through his sacrifice of his sin, his atoning death, is the personal means by which God shows mercy to those who believe on him. The only way we can stand in God's favour is for Jesus to be our advocate and plead our cause for us. Listen, God is angry with sin. And the truth set forth here is that the wrath of God must be poured out upon sin. God has been offended 
And it's necessary that his anger be turned away and his wrath against sin satisfied. But it had to be by a suitable sacrifice. And it was Jesus who offered the only sacrifice once and for all, never to be repeated. He offered his own blood, the blood of God, because nothing else would do. Nothing. And when we confess our sins in the name of Jesus, we are immediately reconciled to God. His anger is turned away from sin and he forgives the sinner for Christ's sake. You know what a blessing that is to the family life when things don't go right for a moment stop don't go to sleep with the sin still on you just stop and just say sorry forgive me and God wipes it clean Don't be historians. We can both be historians, can't we? Both husbands and wives, mums and dads. Have a short memory. If you want a bit of dementia, have it with sin of another person against you. Amen. Forget about it. It'll undo you if you dwell on it. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, Jesus did everything. He has done everything that is necessary to maintain God's honour, God's law, God's justice, God's truth, making it right for holy God to offer pardon and forgiveness. Now listen, propitiation does not change God or his attitude towards sin. It doesn't mean God's going to overlook sin as a fact, which far too often we do, amen? We do. Our attitude to sin will never change until we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives the work that God calls him to do and that is to recognize sin in all its awfulness and offensiveness to God the Father. He had to put his son on the cross to pay for it. You know, we should grieve deeply that we have grieved God with our sin. And as believers, if we become dull towards sin, then we need to cry out to the Holy Spirit to quicken our spirits to the truth of what sin really does and how it does. It deadens our devotion to God. It deadens our, our worship is weakened. And you know what? Our prayer life, and I say this in love, is pathetic. 
the horrible nature of sin is such that God had to execute it on a cross. And the only victim of that execution was a sinless son of God. For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, when, when sin has brought us to the place of discouragement and despair, which it always will, listen, you don't have to be the one sinning. Someone could sin against you. And if you don't deal with it properly, then you'll, you'll end up in discouragement and despair. Remember, listen carefully, remember, God nailed it to a cross. God executed it on the cross. And God forgives us, God saves us only for the sake of his son. And when a believer sins after their redemption, God can still be just and forgive the sins of the believers only on the merit of Christ's work on the cross. You see, God doesn't want us to sin, but if we do, when we do, we have the assurance that our advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, the propitiation has been provided, and you know what happens? Pardon is freely given. Not parole. Too many Christians live like they're on parole. We are fully pardoned. Freely. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And notice in verse 2 there, it's not for our sins, but for who else's? For the sins of the whole world. You know, praise God, bless his name, that, that, that Jesus paid the penalty for all the sins of all sinners of all times. Now, we mentioned a bit this morning, I'll just add just shortly, there are those who teach a limited atonement. And only a certain elect are going to be saved and everyone else is damned. You, you won't find that doctrine in the word of God. Where to steer clear of it again, that's something Satan would put out there. John 3.16 covers it for it. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That means Christ is the propitiation for the whole world, not just some. The blood of Jesus is sufficient for the sins of the world. Any sinner can come to Jesus and be saved if he or she hear the gospel of God, of Jesus Christ, believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ and call out to him to save them, they will be saved. He did not die for one particular race or elect group of people. He died for the whole world and his invitation is to all. I'm so glad that someone, I'm so glad that my parents threw me in a Sunday school because they wanted a break. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? See, that was a day when church meant something, brothers and sisters. People still trusted church, even if they weren't Christians. They still believed there was a God and there was a Bible. 
the safest place to put a child was go to a kids club, go to a youth group. And the water gets poured on the seed as you go through life. And praise God, I was brought up in the time I was brought up in. Because today, there's hardly any of that anymore. No, but there's people who don't even know there is a God. Honestly. We've had children through the years. We were talking last night, weren't we? How many years we've been in children's ministry? Over 30 years. We haven't missed a year. And as children have come in, they have no idea. The only thing they know about Jesus is it's a swear word when mum and dad get upset. That's all they know. That's all they know. Praise God that we are saved by grace through faith and nothing else. It was a, the atonement was planned and provided for by God and is sufficient for all people. He, Jesus paid the sin debt. He's completely satisfied God's heart concerning sin for all people and whosoever will can be saved. He completely fulfilled the law, Matthew um, 5.17. He, he honoured God's in every area of his life and service. He so fully expressed God's sense of, of the evil and ugliness of sin that through the work of the cross, the offer of salvation is offered freely as, one, as, as it is to one as it is to another. Any and all who believe can be saved. 2 Corinthians 5.14 tells us, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, that they which should live, should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That's the question is, are we living for Christ? Or like I mentioned this morning, are we living for Christ as long as we get something out of it? As long as we get a, a good pay packet at the end of the week and things like that, then we'll live for Christ. If Christ knocked on the door, I'm a bit scared to knock on the pulpit, but if Christ knocked on the door and said to you, come on, let's go, would you go? Christ says, chuck it all in, give it all up, and follow me. Would we follow? But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now, I'd love to ask the Lord one question when I get to heaven. I'll say, what was it like having to leave? the presence of the Father and the praise of the angels and the glories of this heaven. How did you do that? He gave us the answer. He just said simply, not my will, but thine be done. And brothers and sisters, salvation is for all who will come and it is sure, it is sealed in the blood of Christ. And the question is, are you and I living for him 
or are we living for ourselves? Where are we going to draw the line when it comes to living for him? Also, there's no second work of salvation. As some like to teach where after you're saved, you go and get baptised and then you, you speak in tongues. That's not, real, that's not Bible doctrine either. See, when you're saved, when a person is saved, they are immediately filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we're told and commanded in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. You know, it is the plan and program of God to save souls from hell. It is the plan and program of God, as we read, the creature, Romans 8.20, was subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know the whole creation groaneth and travail in pain until now. See, it is God planned the entire creation will be set free from the curse of sin. And it very soon will be out from under which it now groans under the weight of sin. And there will be goodwill and peace towards all men. Even the animal kingdom will have its curse lifted off it. And Christ, our advocate, how would I put this? May God, through the, the, the work of His Spirit in us, show us what Gethsemane was like. Show us what it was like for the Son to be completely separated from the Father. To have all of hell poured upon Him. Show us what Golgotha was like to hang on that cross. And we should pray that it would please Him to give us a sight of what the Lord is doing now. What joy it brings to see Him. Isn't that amazing? What joy does it bring to your heart and my heart to know now, to see him with those spiritual eyes. He's before the Father. He's saying, God, forgive this Dennis Smith. I'm pleading for him. I'm not excusing him at all. But look what I did for him. Pleading there for you and for me. Is it not a comfort to know if the family's not well physically, spiritually, if it's under trial? Isn't it not a comfort to know if there's not enough to go around and we would then look again with our spiritual eyes and see him with our names engraven on his hands? Would you not go back to your family and say, everything's all right. Our advocate is before the Father, pleading our case and praying for us. Oh, to know fully 
our Saviour. Not about him, but to intimately know him as our Lord and Saviour. What a thing it is to know that we're pardoned. But to find out that that pardon is in the wounds of his hand and his body. Isn't it great, as we looked at this morning, to find that, that peace? But it's a greater thing to find that that peace is in the blood of his cross. You know, we, we often think much about the, the beauty and the comfort of our salvation, yet we have forgotten forgotten where and how that salvation came to be and to our loss we've lost the choicest flavour of what it means to us oh what a thing it is to remember that we all all that we are and all that we have in him is the best thing the best thing that ever came from him You know, the fact that, think about this, that he saves me is somehow, I don't know how, but that he has saved me is better than me being saved. That he would do that is incredible. What a blessed thing it is to go to heaven. But isn't it a better thing to... That, that, that being in Christ is the result of getting into heaven. And my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would glorify Christ by making all of us see that all things from Christ are indeed of Christ, completely from Him. And we can only have the joy promised to us by Him when we recognize in our hearts, our spirits, in our soul, what he has done and continues to do on our behalf. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful blessing of knowing everything. Everything has come from you all of it Lord and we stand right justified being sanctified sealed forever because of our advocate the Lord Jesus Christ and he alone pleads our case and in him you find forgiveness and justification of our souls Thank you, Lord, for bringing all those people into my life who shared the gospel, who gave me an opportunity to accept eternal life through your word, through the gift of your son. May we always be a mouthpiece for our saviour. 
for the great work you have done. Lord, we look forward to the day of glory. And Lord, may we remember that day comes only because of you. We praise thee and we thank thee. In Jesus' precious name, amen.